<laughs> You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. of doom bow bow deliberations of doom bow bow hey deliberations of doom yeah yeah <laughs> i want to hit the high note but i'm nervous <laughs> <laughs> i want to hit with the doom but i can't do it no, somebody could do the low one doom why we're not doom. jazz musicians <laughs> <laughs> everybody got a stand-up bass you can play boom 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 that's yeah, a different direction i think yeah um, now maybe we could... people coming back it's like what is this Shit, no <laughs> i think i like might have to try and get another a new deliberations of doom theme we've already had three of the length of the show of different themes of the show it's like now I kind of want this. I, want I think like, you just did it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Deliberations of Doom. We are here, the crew, the Doomers, the, do- the Doomsayers. I'm a deliberator. Uh, you're a deliberator? Yeah. You're more of a deliberator, that's yeah. fair. Uh, but I'm Chris. Joining me is... Madeline Fontenot, a co-host. Alan Galinsky. <laughs> also a co-host. <laughs> Tenen, Drew Tenen. <laughs> Also a co-host. We're all co-hosts. co-hosts. Because nobody's in charge here. This thing's just crazy. I can't believe this even gets done every time. (laughs) It just kind of happens. A voice from the heavens goes, it is time. It's like radio silence for like five weeks. And it's like, have you ever watched these movies? It's like, we're close. It's like, all right. We gotta get it. We gotta. <laughs> it's like rapid fire. It's like the data set. Yeah, right. four person movie marathon. You guys yeah. always correct me up because I'll be like, "All right, well, here's the list of movies," and they'll be like, "All right, we'll aim for this date." I'll go like, "Are right, you all set?" And you're like, "I still have three quarters of them to watch, but I'll do it tomorrow." I, that's how it goes. I literally watched six of them this week. Are you serious? I, I, I watched five of them in the last three days. <laughs> I watched all but two like a month and a half ago. <laughs> so y'all be fresher than me. That's why I'm glad there's a couple of them that I actually haven't seen on this list because I always think, oh, if I've seen it before, then I don't really need to see it again. But I, every time I watch rewatch something, I always realize that I needed to see it again. Yeah. yeah. No, me too. I always remind myself of that. I go like, no, no, no. You're supposed to be talking freshly about this thing. And you're viewpoint may have changed based on your own life experiences and what you've seen since then. I've had plenty of movies. I'm like, ugh, I hate this movie and I got to watch it again. Then I go, why did I hate this movie? Or vice versa, which is much worse. I remember, I remember (laughs) you had that when we did a, as a Hansel and Gretel witch hunters. Yeah. You were like, that movie fucking sucks. It was like, no, we're watching it. And he came around on it. I was like, this isn't too bad, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't come back to like loving it, but he no. was like, you know what? Not no, let's so not go crazy. It's a fun movie. <laughs> oh, I'm curious if uh, that'll happen with one or two of these today. Um, 
for this round of episodes. Probably not. No. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this is our theme, as we always have a theme for our trip, uh, triptych of shows. This time is found footage, a theme that previous iterations of the show casts would not let us do. They were like, uh, two members in particular were like, I'm not watching a bunch of found footage films. I hate found footage movies. I'm like, okay, even though there's... Quite frankly, a shit ton of really great found footage movies out there. There's, uh, I do kind of agree with their sentiment. There's <laughs> oh, yeah. considerably more bad ones. Yes, yes, yes. But that's true of horror in general, though, isn't yeah, it? Movies like, in general. There's movies yeah. in general, yeah. It's true of in general, in general. Yes. <laughs> All things, really. <laughs> As the camera moves back further and further till the <laughs> earth is just a tiny blue dot. <laughs> anyway, uh, we go as always, as we always do in chronological order of release. So it might surprise some of you guys who just don't know any better, which is fair because, uh, there's a certain movie we'll get to that was promoted as like the birth of found footage that decidedly was not. <laughs> Our first movie is not that movie, but in fact, not even the first found footage movie either. 1992's Man Bites Dog. One could argue that Hannibal, uh, uh Hannibal, Cannibal Holocaust was the first found footage movie from 1980. Yeah, I'm happy. That's just a movie I. I've never seen. Me neither. I don't want to watch. It's not as bad as you think, I keep being told. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah, I just don't know if I'm like... If you've sat through Lucio Fulci films, you can handle Cannibal. I'm sure I can handle it. But yeah, I, 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 but I was like looking at found footage in general. Because the movie that will come that everyone understands it, I mean, even though it wasn't the first, it is sort of the godfather of found footage movies, and we'll get to that. But, and this one isn't, this is strange because it's not purely a found footage movie. It's a mockumentary sort of thing, but like the subject matter and some of the tenseness that comes with it, it feels like in a lot of the camera work and a lot of the tropes that happens in found footage are in this movie. Yeah. So it sets some groundwork for sure, along with Cannibal Holocaust. And, I'm and sure. the movie we're talking about is Man Bites Dog, although it's not, that's not, that's its American title. Its original French title is Say Arrive Près de Chez Vous, which. Arrive Près de Chez Vous. Thank you, more cultured well person on the cast. And that means man pets dog. No. <laughs> it means it happened near your home. Uh, and yes, this is, it's not French. It's actually Belgian where they speak French. Uh, it's a creepier it, title. It, it is a not, creepier title in some ways, one. but it's weird because the, the term man bites dog is actually a journalistic aphorism, uh, that describes how, for instance, um, a headline that said man bites dog would be run certainly before a headline that says dog bites man, because that happens all the time yeah. and it's something unusual. And the, the fact that there's an aphorism for it just refers to that the fact that rare events more often appear as a news story lead to sort of a distortion in perception with people that these things happen more often than they actually do. You know, uh, which I guess is interesting. I'm not entirely sure how that applies to this film. It totally applies, and I would love to talk about it after you're done telling us about this movie. No, go, you go ahead and tell me. Oh, I mean, I felt like that was a huge part of the creepy factor, is that it happened near you. This man, at some po- uh, during the beginning of the movie, we see him do a couple heinous things, and then we walk into his family store, and it's his mom and his grandparents and... Everybody in this town knows this man. There's nothing suspicious. He's your mailman. He's the bus driver. Or the guy who killed your mailman and bus driver. (laughs) Exactly! But it it is that he's right here in front of you and you will never know. No, that applies to the French title, but how does it like work with the Man Bites title? I think it it deals a little bit with the the sensationalization of serial killer things. I mean, Mm -hmm. the fact that in this movie they run into another like crime 
<laughs> element that has their own film crew. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of talking about the sensationalization of violence and how it's like, oh, we're all freaking out about the violence. And like, I think that is part of the play. Like, the, the theme of the movie is, I mean, that's clearly a theme like violence in your home, violence on the screen, normalizing violence. It's like everywhere. But like, how normalized is it versus like how prevalent is it? It's there in the movie, right? But there's the themes get kind of muddy in the movie itself. It's a pretty nasty fucking movie. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and it's uh, written, directed, and produced by the three main stars, really. Uh, Remy Belvaux, Andre Bonzel, and Benoit Pelverde, who is a, the, plays the serial killer Ben in it. Um, Remy plays the director of the film, and Andre is the cameraman, which jobs they really, in fact, were acting as during the <laughs> the length of it. This was the first film that all of them made outside of, I think they had one short film before this. And I believe also the last film they directed as well. Poor Remy ended up uh, committing suicide in 2006. Well, oh, man. Not, not a happy guy. He's only in his late 30s. Or yeah. Young. Uh, but so a lot of this was improvised. Um, in fact, the, all, there's a lot of stuff with uh, Ben's Benoit's parents, who had no idea he was making a horror film. They thought he was just doing a reel about it, about his life. Yeah. So they had no idea. Like there's a scene where he's in jail and his mom comes in and she's freaking out. That was totally real. Like <laughs> they didn't tell her this is just fake. They thought she thought, Oh God, he's actually in jail for something. What's going on. But Ben is, yeah, he's a very narcissistic uh, serial killer. And it's never entirely clear. I mean, like, I don't, I don't find him plausible as a, in real life because I don't think there's any such thing as someone who kills in all for the myriad of different reasons he does it. You know, it seems like sometimes it's like it's mainly for profit, but sometimes it's just for the fuck of it well, too. They, they definitely structure it like this is like my job. Yeah. And like this is why I kill these people because it's easy to get money off of them. But he also kills people just for fun. Yeah. As well. He's just it. like a psychopath, right? Like a sociopathic. But he's psychopath. like, he's like the Ted Bundy type. He's very, very sociable. He's a good looking guy. He has lots of friends. Until he gets drunk. And then he's a real obnoxious <laughs> prick. That is true. But he's got a, a, a film crew who's filming, who know what he does and are filming a documentary. And part of it is like, that I don't feel like they're completely distanced or anything from it at first or even disgusted, but they certainly, as it goes along, become more and more uh, part of involved. his world and involved <laughs> to the point of even, like, you know, helping him hide body, get rid of bodies, uh, raping and murdering people. And, yes, there's an extremely disturbing, like, rape and murder sequence in this film Wait. that was made this film get banned in Sweden and Ireland. Yeah, and that and that was cut out of the American version for a really long time too. That and like the murder of the young boy where yeah. like they help him hold him down. So I think that's like that. the most disturbing scene in it's here. It's a it's a that one's really disturbing. I mean that and the rape scene obviously like those are the two that are like brutal. A lot of the other ones are played for it's like a real cynical laugh, but a lot of them are played for, played for laughs and those two this are not. They're played yeah. really disturbing. When the child is killed too, it's like the dialogue is is actually pretty funny. He's you know he's usually saying this is why I usually don't kill children. They're such a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. they, they wiggle, lot. they run, they mm-hmm. don't have money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's true. But like it, it's like that dialogue offset was just like the small body and like because the opening of the movie is him just describing of how you weigh down bodies, ballasting, and while like it's a pain in the ass for kids. And, like, the different, like, old people and, like, how much you need to put in. Like, so you kind of set up for, like, the myriad of people he will 
kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, like, yes. and just like the cold calculation of like how you do it and why and when. And like, uh, immediately after that scene, as I had just said, there was he. Uh, speaking of a mailman, he dresses up as a mailman, mugs a mailman, and then he goes and talks to these two little boys after you've heard him just talking about murdering children. And they have a toy gun, and he pretends to play with them with a the toy gun. He even shoots one of them with a little Nerf dart, and then he turns. And there's this smile that he gives the camera, and the, it would not be a strange smile, except you know exactly what he was just talking about, and it is absolutely chilling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He that's what makes this film work is that he. This seems like a guy, except for when he's drunk, that you're like, oh, that, that guy's all right. I know that guy from the bar. He's fine. Like uh, we hang out with that guy. He's a nice enough guy. He has a lot of interests. He has a lot of. He's like uh, sponsors a young woman that he uh, that's a musician that he's really he proud her, of. Yeah. yeah, he's close with his family. You're like, it seems like a normal enough guy. And the, the film repeatedly gets you kind of settled, where you're just like, okay, just watching the thing, and then we'll just really suddenly interrupt you with acts of brutal violence. And just leave you thinking, like, he's, like, murdering a child and laughing and joking about, this sucks. Man, this is the worst part of the job, because, not because you're killing a child <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> it's just really inconvenient, dude. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I mean, that's kind of the point of this whole thing. And I think anyone who looks at this as, like, oh, this, no one should ever see this film is kind of missing the whole point of why make this film in the first place. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and I do see why, like, there, I mean, there's a lot of people that I would recommend not watching this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, if if you're into film in general, it's chances are you've seen or heard of this movie, you know? It is not for the faint of heart. No, yeah. and it's not for the casual movie fan. Like, if no. you're just like, yeah, I like going to the theaters on for the new blockbuster and, like, movies are, like, a ten, like over here part of my life. It wouldn't be like, let's fire this up. I'm going to take you on a journey. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like, and it's not even one of those types of movies, like, this is a weird cult yeah. movie. You know, like, I think you'll enjoy this around Halloween time. This is more of like, it is disturbing. And it's sort of like scholarly in a way, film history. It's like, it's not for your casual film fan, but if you are a fan of like the cinema in general, you might be put off by this movie quite a bit, but I think you'll, you'll gain something from watching it regardless. Yeah, it got caught up on that indie nineties film scene too. I mean, Man yeah. Bites Dog was around with, you know, titles like Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. And I think people thought it was a crime film. And then you, know, you watch it. And I mean, it is. <laughs> there is a lot of crime that happens. In it, yeah, for sure. But, you know, I know what you mean about Ben. He, he seems like the other guy that you would get along with at a bar. And then you don't really realize sometimes, like, these regulars at a bar, you don't really realize what they do when they leave the bar. You think they just go to work. They just do, you know, they just live their lives like normal people. And he's not normal at all. And just goes out and, on a massive killing spree. But he's, like, incredibly likable, which I can see why the, the actual filmmakers that are following him around become his disciples in a way like he could almost be a cult leader you know if he wanted to be yeah i think he could could go out and recruit like quite a few more people which he kind of is that's exactly what he's doing here i mean there are people like there are other people in his life who know he's a killer and it's like that it's accepted Mm -hmm. as his job right because it was like (laughs) charmingness like his girlfriend she's like i don't really inquire too much about his work like she's like i know Mm -hmm. but like i don't want to know yeah like everyone like like, regularly kills mailmen just because like Oh yeah, they like letters and pensioners. Like they always have like a check or something in there. He like he doesn't do it because anyone's uh, paying him money to kill mailman. He does it because this is like beer cash. Yeah, beer <laughs> cash. And also, what he had said about the mailman suit is that it helps him as a disguise, so he can go scout out other places. Because mm-hmm. hey, I'm the mailman. Let me come yeah, walk yep. right up to your door. But that was one thing he talks about scouting. 
But then it seems like so many of his kills, at least what we see, are so spontaneous. Just like all of a sudden, out of the blue, running up behind somebody and grabbing them. And they're, they talk about premeditation, but then what you actually see, it seems like there isn't a lot of thinking beforehand sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that old woman. And like a lot of the violence is like, it's, there are definitely long extended scenes of kills, but there's also like this like montage cuts of just like, Kill, 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 kill. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like him like talking like charmingly. Yeah, like, repeatedly. Really, yeah. yeah. And it should be said, this movie is funny as well. Like, oh, yeah. Really, like, the, my favorite, my favorite scene is with like the camera. It's also a disturbing scene, but when the other like crime people show up and then they discover their camera crew, <laughs> it's like it's very camera funny. Crews. Yeah. It's really funny, but then they get turns really hard where they're, the, the camera people who's with are taking turns killing each, like they're killing each one of them. Right. And it gets a little dark, but it's also sort of that it's funny idea. That, that part was funny too, because it, it, he was like, we shoot on film, you shoot on video. Yeah. So, so that was, that was the reason to kill <laughs> them. Yeah. yeah, yeah you're like, yeah. That's yeah. how I justify this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cheap asses shooting on video. <laughs> um, so this is important. I, this helped me reading a bit about this after this is the third time I've seen this movie over many years. It's not a film you can go right back and watch anytime soon after you watch it because it is disturbing and, and unsettling as hell. But the, the woman, the woman, in the rape scene, was apparently very good friends with the crew, had even worked with them before on projects, and apparently the actors kept having to stop the scene because they would start crying or get oh, really upset, baby. and she would be the one who'd, like, comfort them. It's okay. You're not hurting me. We're I'm okay. <laughs> this is not real. It's okay. Like, oh. she was the one who was, like, completely, like, it's it's cool. I am, I am okay. I am 100% okay. I was like, that's that does help with that watching that scene because yeah. <laughs> it's very upsetting. That's definitely the Clockwork Orange moment of the film. Oh and yeah, it, and I think if if it was edited out before, I think it's kind of necessary. It's just it's it's crazy that it's on HBO Max now and it's full, full form, form, which yeah. is great. But I mean, I think most people, if they if they're going to be enjoying that movie until that scene, and then like, oh wait, fuck Ben, like, I'm not into this anymore. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not laughing anymore for yeah. sure because that is like I mean, especially with the area living now, like. It's it's the it's the roughest scene in the movie for sure, because everything else could be. There's been stuff since then that is like super cynical and dark humor in that mix, but that is like a line that's not crossed anymore at all, and it was rarely crossed before. Mm-hmm. Like there's like few examples of that in film, like that explicitly. Yeah. Aside from like the exploitation, like the rape exploitation, revenge exploitation sure. era, like that's when it was the most prevalent. Maybe so. Like that is the scene that will like make a lot of people jump out and pull the parachute. It's like, nope. And no. like, and it, it's, it's a, it's a big one. And I, to your point, this is the second time I've seen it. And I remember the first time I watched it, I had to, I broke it up like in three viewings. I have it on like the Criterion DVD. Yeah. And, and that's when I was just like buying Criterions without like, I didn't know about the movie's history. <laughs> I was just like, like, Oh God. All I saw was like the cover, the American cover of like well, of him shooting down, with a blood splatter and a baby pacifier right. popping up, and this man by Sago's like, sold. This shit looks fucking nuts. <laughs> so like, I I bought it purely off that, and it, I remember watching it in like first like third of the movie. I was just like, you know, this is like kind of wild. It's kind of boring though. It's kind of wild. And I was like early twenties. Yeah. And then so it was like came back, and then when I got to like the racing, I was like, this shit is like rough. And I had like after that, I was like, I'll come back and finish this later. <laughs> it, this is the first time I watched it like through. As a full experience, like watching the movie, and it is something like for a fan of like film and like horror and like the weird shit that's out there, 
It's an interesting movie for sure. Oh yeah. Um, and I, to be clear, like you said, Criterion is one of the company that releases for a home release. It won three awards at Cannes Film Festival. This is a very respected film. Just some people absolutely can't take it. And I'm totally sympathetic. I'm like, it's a lot. It's horrifying. Uh, but it's like, it's solid. It's decidedly also a horror comedy. And, but it's one that like, you know, it's kind of overt what they're they're actually talking about. It's not just like, ha, ah, it's funny watching this happen. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we're talking about a bunch of stuff here, especially in French culture. Interestingly, uh, Remy, who plays the director here, was one of the four guys that threw a cream pie and Bill, uh, um, what's his name, uh, from Microsoft, Bill, uh, Bill Gates. Gates' face. When that, remember when that event happened when a bunch of uh, people no. came up to Bill Gates and threw a cream pie in his face I have in a France? Big memory of that. Or in Brussels. Oh. Uh, he was one of the guys who did that. That's awesome. <laughs> that was one thing I really appreciated about this film being fluent in French, watching French films with English subtitles is often painful, and I do my best not to do it, but a lot of times in films, because I don't have a lot of people to speak French with in Austin. It my listening skills are a little bit rusty, but this movie did a really good job. There weren't very many places where I was like, "That's not what they said." It was accurate. That means cool. something entirely oh. different. There were very few places where there wasn't something where I was like, "That is absolutely not what they said," which does happen in a lot of other things. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, anybody else have anything else they want to say about this before we move on to the next film? Anyone? Anyone? Um, I, I, I just love, I love revisiting, actually. I, it's a really explosive movie. I love the gunfights. You know, there's this weird, like, film noir aspect to it, too. And Yeah. It's um, all in black and white. We yeah, it's very run and gun. Yeah. It's just, I, I, so I, I really loved uh, watching it again. I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, like, offended by it, really. Yeah. I think this is a top-notch film. Mm-hmm. And, and while, if everything we've said made you go, yeah, I don't think I could take that, then certainly don't watch it. But if you're like... Yeah, if it's as good as you say, I think I could get through that. Then, by all means, seek it out. It's on HBO Max right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch it. Yeah. There was a point where, of course, this man is murdering people. Yes, he's crazy. But he started kind of showing some racist colors here and there yeah. as the movie went on. Almost a r- pretty early in it. Yes, even. yeah, and they yeah. just got gradually worse. But there's a point where he's burying somebody in a wall to hide the body. And he points over and he's like, oh, yes, there are two Muslims I buried in the wall right over there. I buried them to make sure they were facing Mecca. (laughs) And so it's like this absolutely deranged, but like this touch of respect that does absolutely nothing. But the fact that you thought about it, just your flavor of crazy is special. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have a feeling that his compass was off, though. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Probably probably not do that correctly. Did you have anything uh, last you want to say about this before we... Um, move on. No, I think I kind of wrapped it up before I ran off to go pee. <laughs> Sorry, I, was I wasn't going to cover that, but yeah. okay, fine. Yes, his dick was in his hands mere seconds ago. <laughs> he washed them. Don't worry. I doubt it. No, yeah, you do. You do a wash. Huh? I do a little wash. Do you? Yeah. So you, you wave them in the direction of the sink. Actually, I wash. <laughs> I wash my penis before I touch. My <laughs> that way, it's clean, and I don't have to wash my hands. Let's talk more about Alan's penis. <laughs> Our next movie is called Alan's Penis. <laughs> it's no. a self-made movie. <laughs> yeah, there is it's, full frontal in, in this movie. So it's yeah. true. Definitely still horror. And it's still <laughs> chronologically because I made it in 1994. I was 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alan, no. All right. Well, our next real, actual film we're talking about is the one you were expecting to hear about first, which is The Blair Witch Project, which came out in 1999, written and directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Sanchez has actually gone on to do quite a lot of interesting things in his career post-Blair Witch, doing films that I really liked, like Lovely Molly and Exists 
lots of TV, lots of television show mm-hmm. episodes. Uh, and he did one of the sequences in VHS too. And he's always got new stuff on the burner. Not as much for Daniel. <laughs> it's been done a few things, but he hasn't stayed super busy. There's really just three actors in this and a handful of like, I'm in the movie for one minute people. Uh, you've got Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams and Joshua Leonard playing Heather Don- Donahue, Michael C. Williams and Joshua Leonard, yeah. which according to Heather Donahue was the biggest mistake she ever made in her whole life was agreeing to be credited as that. Because I presume anyone listening to this knows a lot about the Blair Witch Project already. The fact that they marketed this a hundred percent as this is real. This really happened. They had a website up and this is the days before the, the term viral marketing even existed that saying there, if you've seen these people, please call this number for help. Um, IMDB had their credits listed as missing or deceased. (laughs) The actors, I mean, and they were told you cannot do interviews. You cannot talk to anyone about this movie. If anyone says, wait, are you in a movie? You have to say no. But after it was, after it was out, after the theatrical premiere, like, then they were like on the cover of like fucking. Oh yeah. yeah. It was huge after yeah. it was like the secret was completely out. Yeah. But I remember I saw it like first week it came out at the Dobie mall, which is a little indie theater inside of a college like dormitory in Austin. And the line went all the way around the, like, you know, it was like a, like, the theater was like in the cafeteria, it, like went all the way around the cafeteria twice. Yeah. It was like, there were so many people in line sensation. just to get tickets. It was huge. And every last one of those motherfuckers thought this was real. They bought into it because we'd never seen anything like this before this was the new war of the worlds like orson wells is <laughs> yeah you know and people believed it now i had already been told because at that point it was already part of the local austin film scene yes it's decidedly is not real well, see, and i wonder how much people i know there were i remember i was i think it was 15 when this came out maybe 14 it's on the theater fucking pumped and i was just like it's not real like it they don't release snuff films in theater i knew like, it's like <laughs> it's not gonna be real but i think the energy around it was a lot of people just like wanted they, the marketing was like convince them enough. It's like I, they want it to be real. That being said, no one dies on camera in this film. No, yeah. not at all. There's Almost, only but, there's yeah. only one scene that you could even consider gory, which is barely where yeah. there's of the tongue. Yeah, there's like the, the well, it's like teeth, right? Yeah, Josh's teeth. Yeah, Josh's yeah, teeth. It's funny. I remember it as a tongue too, and I just rewatched. Yeah, it's it. teeth. I don't remember if I right. see oh. a tongue in there, but I remember it as a tongue. Yeah, because I remember. The, I don't remember seeing like bone. Yeah. Yeah, Sanchez actually went to his his dentist and was like, "Do we? Can I have some teeth?" <laughs> <laughs> and the hair in there is actual, actually Joshua Leonard's yeah. hair, but like that's it. Yeah. Everything else is just you. I mean, not even implied. You have no idea what happens to these people. I mean, I can't believe I have to say, in case you don't know what the story is of the Blair Witch Project, <laughs> I would love to meet somebody that hasn't seen this movie before. I don't think I don't think I know one. It's to. real. Actually, I have I have a couple of friends who haven't, but they're like horror skittish, and I really wanted them to watch it with me, and like we couldn't time it out. But I'm because I, I do think like I know like. Kind of get into what it's about. Actually, let's get into like okay. the, so, the brief synopsis. Yeah, the story yeah. is uh, there are three student filmmakers, Heather, Mike, and Josh, who are hiking into this uh, forested area called the Black Hills near the town of Burkittsville, Maryland, in 1994 to film a, a documentary about this legend called the Blair Witch. For the record, the filmmakers went to 
outrageous extents to convince people that this legend was a real legend. It a hundred percent was not. There's even, they put out like right when the movie came out, there was a sci-fi channel documentary called the curse of the Blair witch yeah. that came out, which I, it was I, just I, about like the background legend to establish. I read that they made that as a promo to try to get the movie made. Yeah. Like they made that as like to sell it. Yeah. And then, I, and then the studio was like, you know what? We should put this thing Use out this as part of the promotion. As part of the promotion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're, out there filming in the woods they're like they they have a map and all that uh, i'm not sure where they think exactly they're going they know about this thing called coffin rock where there was a serial killer in the 40s who had killed a bunch of children out there and had said basically that he was inspired by this blair witch the blair witch itself i don't know it's it's a complicated legend that doesn't get really uh, most of its stuff filled in uh, in the movie itself most of it is in the extended stuff yeah but that's why i think i think that the thing that works i i'm a what we watching especially i'm a big big fan of this movie when we come to found footage stuff because it's it feels the most authentic like a true found thing like the movie itself the acting feels really genuine especially like talking heads people when they're talking to people in town it feels like they're real people and the legend itself which is all made up and fake it's ambiguous enough but there's lore enough in the violence that they describe is strong enough where it does feel like there's a real legend in a town. It's like, we'll make a movie about this. Oh, and to be clear, this starts with saying these people are, we have no idea what happened to them. Like, it literally is the first thing to use the term found footage yeah. in the opening scrawl. The saying, opening scrawl this is found is, footage. In October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's another thing that's really smart about it. This came out in 99. They shot it, I think, in 97 and, like, it's some reshoots in 98 after they it got picked up. And they didn't even reuse, use any of the reshoots. They went back to, like, mm-hmm. shoot alternate endings. Yeah, they and were they told, stuck with their original. they were told the audiences, <laughs> some audiences were like, I don't understand what happened, but that's the point. Scary. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so they shot three, three alternate really endings. Do. You really do start to realize what happens at the, at the end of it and, you know, just. Yeah. Him turning his back to the wall and doing all that. I mean, they give you all the, they give you all the information along the line about what that is. Like that's referenced earlier. Like the serial killer in the forties would kidnap two children and make one of them stand with in the corner Mm -hmm. so they couldn't see while he killed the other because he didn't like their eyes on him. They keep talking about making a prequel too. Like like Daniel Myrick's talked about it a lot. uh, Reportedly, from what I read, there is currently a project in the works at Lionsgate right now, like in production, but they haven't said much about it. The sequel that they made, which I love in theory. It's like, I think the original sequel they made is like in the world where this did happen for real and people are going out to the woods. Yeah, it's a meta thing where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. this but is like the a- movie exists, but the, it was really real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the most recent sequel by, um, oh my God. Adam, uh, Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard, yeah. yeah. Which people kind of shat on. But I thought it was like pretty fucking. I good. loved yeah. the, the 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 new one. I I which yeah. is just called Blair Witch. Which I they, thought that was great. They did another sneaky People promotional thing where they was promoted as a different movie. <laughs> yeah, no they, one knew it was being that made. Was, that was a big one when they did do that reveal at Comic Con. I remember it was called The Woods or something, yeah. and they said, "Hey, it's actually Blair Witch." So they were really. That's the thing about doing these movies now. You almost feel like you have to have this like gotcha marketing component to right. it. So it's very it's, it makes it more difficult to develop it. I think it's, it's hard to. We're every audiences are much more savvy now and like ready to go. Like yeah, perfect I don't know. timing in '99. It really right. was. It was but, just great. Yeah, I mean it was. Bottle. Yeah, it was the one that created viral marketing. But like when Blair Witch came out, not Blair Witch Project. So 
the director and writer, Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard, used to hang out at Fantastic Fest all the time. They would always be there, even just to hang out. So we all knew them. And so I remember I went in to do a press for, to do an interview with them for the movie. I came in, it's like, they're like, Oh, hey, Chris, what's going on? What, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm here to interview you. And there's this moment they go, Oh yeah, you are press, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, and it, it's weird about that new one is you're kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Cause like the secret, it's like, it's actually a Blair Rich people and people mm-hmm. lost their minds. Like, holy shit. And then it, it, it immediately sets in like expectation. And then the movie comes out and everyone's like, oh, fuck that movie. But if you market it way ahead of time, it's like, new Blair Rich movie. People are immediately like, fuck that movie. Just because that's how the internet yeah, that's fair. operates. Mm-hmm. And like, when you're dealing with like something like that, that is, like, regardless of how you feel about the movie, indisputably like iconic at this point in the horror genre. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's a hard fucking thing to do. It's like, how, and it's so singular because it's a found footage thing and I kind of sparked it off. And in my opinion, it's a really, really good found like example of how you do found footage where it feels like shoddy it's super low budget not because like oh we have money but we're gonna budget down to make it's like truly like the limitations are on screen and how do you milk some scares out of it what was the budget like thirty thousand all right so the actual final cost while making it was sixty thousand dollars uh there was spent with post-production and marketing fees it it was somewhere between five hundred thousand and seven hundred and fifty thousand and this is funny. The marketing for the home video release was fifteen million dollars. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. Well, it made a well, it shit ton of money on the dollars. It's like the most like successful. Two hundred and fifty million wor- worldwide with the initial theatrical release. Yeah. I don't even know what the post oh DVD like. sales and like yeah. the whatever merchandising. It's like a. It was, it was. It's in the top like three of. And maybe even be one uh, of like ratio for yeah. cost to actual profit for films of like wow this is insane I think it was like for every dollar they spent they made ten thousand seven hundred fifty dollars <laughs> that's insane and that's the that's the thing with the filmmaking in this movie is like it really is purely out of necessity and there's some shit that is like legit scary in the movie just from like sound and suggestion and like good performances honestly. Like, like, so I, yeah. here's the thing about that. This film is entirely improv with just suggestions, which is like people are like, well, isn't entirely improv. It's like, have you been to improv? That's literally the audience. Hey, and audience, y- what yes, should and? I do? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The actors, the writer, the two writer directors were like, okay, they came up with a concept for this whole thing. I think it's really cool. They called the production company Haxen Productions because that's the name of like this very early documentary mm-hmm. that's actually about witchcraft. That which is, we've, we've covered which on we've this covered podcast. On this podcast which is, uh, you know, genuinely scary in its own way. Yeah. Great film if you get a chance to watch it. Criterion also put mm-hmm. that one out. Uh, and they said, all right, I don't think there's any way to make this work with a crew around. So they hired these three actors with extensive like auditions, um, with a bunch of odd questions. Uh, I was looking at the <laughs> list of questions. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? I think they were just looking for their ability to like just improv, you yeah. know, how they would work from it and said, all right, so here's the deal. One of which Joshua Leonard was hired. They said almost exclusively because he already knew how to work cameras. He yeah. knew a lot about camera work because they sent these people out in the woods with no crew around them, just a GPS locator and their actual, all the stuff you see in the movie, the camping equipment, the food they had with them, that a map. 
and would say, all right, well, you have your GPS thing. You have the cameras. You are the filmmakers. You are filming this. You know certain things every day you have to accomplish and do, but you're in, you're making it up as you go along the rest of it. And we know you want this to happen. We want you all to start more and more not getting along. Each day they were sent to a co- set of coordinates where they would find a box with more food, with envelopes for each of them of instructions of things they would need to do at some point during the, the length of the next day. And they intentionally made them walk, really did make them walk like 15 miles every day. Like it was like oh. not, they were like, yeah, we want them to be tired. We want them to be pissed off. Frustrated, yeah. They had to sign contracts saying they're going to be fucking with us and this will be difficult and we agree not to like sue or anything like this like this is gonna suck i won't no make question. you pay for my therapy <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's why it works really well though because because the fact that they are lost they don't have to do a lot they, of crazy you, camera work and they, they just that entire uh, they, plot is lit- great. they literally got lost like three times mm-hmm. they, oh, they no. there was an emergency gps location that they could press on the thing they had that would send them the the fastest exit back to like civilization yeah. and one time apparently it didn't work oh, <laughs> and shit. they were just wandering and they stumbled across somebody's house and the people were just like oh you poor kids come on <laughs> yeah, in and let them pie. spend the hey, night hey somebody's house they incorporate <laughs> that into the plot really well and i think like maybe the first time i watched it i didn't quite catch it but the, it looks like the woods are actually kind of um, turning in on themselves because they keep kind of they're walking straight but they keep actually walking in circles and they they find Mm -hmm. this in creek again well that was intentional by the the directors who were like this is exactly what we're going to do to them we're going to send them on this this thing and they don't know that they're just going to circle back around but we do and they're like we literally walked for 15 hours and we ended up right where we started just to get them that much more pissed off (laughs) (laughs) it feels like the woods are a character at that point which i think works really well yeah. yeah i mean that's all really fascinating stuff about the making of this film. I'm sorry. I find this film boring as fuck. Sorry. I'm that guy. I deeply admire what the marketing was for this film. I, I think it's like, it's a major groundbreaking experiment in movie making in terms of like, it changed everything in that aspect. And that is so cool. And we'll always look back with that with mad respect for them, the way they figured out how to do that. But I just don't find this film entertaining in the slightest. I hate all three of these people within 15 (laughs) minutes of this movie starting. They're just irrationally assholes from the beginning. And then they, like, rotate who's being an asshole in a weird sort of way. Like, at first, it's Mike who's like seems like he's about to just go insane. And Joshua is like... Oh, come on, man. Come on. It's okay. It'll be all right. And then later, Joshua is like rolling around like a pig and shit crazy. <laughs> and Mike is like, you know what? It's cool. It's cool. We'll, we'll I think all be that's good. sort of real, though. And then but both guys conven- are fine and she's being a bitch. I didn't get it. I didn't come across as convincing to me. I was like, this just feels like they've been doing this. I mean, there's over 20 hours of footage that was shot for this actual edited down to 82 minutes. And it just feels like there's points where, like, we're just trying everything. I don't know. We're bored already. Because there's not much plot in this context of the film itself. No. Like, they were told the Blair Witch was a real thing. That, like, they were actually told this is real. This is really where it happened. All this stuff to make them feel scared. Mm. The directors would, and the crew would come in at night. Like, when you see them coming in at night, like, freaking out from the sounds and stuff, they they didn't know that was going to happen. Like, them shaking the tent or throwing rocks rocks at him setting up the piles of rocks all those are genuine what the fuck that tent scene comes at the perfect time too i think they do enough to to, to 
that keep I, it there, interesting. I think there are but touches that, that's of legitimately scary, and they don't show anything. See, yeah. and that's I, this is the second time I have seen this movie. The first time I saw it, I was somewhere between eleven and twelve, <laughs> and I actually like it better this time than I did the first time I saw it. I felt very much the way Chris did <laughs> the first time I saw it at the time. I wasn't really into suspense. I was looking for demons. I was looking for a spooky monster. And this was just a bunch of tent shaking and people running around with snotty noses freaking out. Yeah, which you, I did not enjoy. <laughs> nothing happens on camera at all. There was even a scene that was supposed to be really scary that was shot on camera because they even had like, I forget, one of the assistant directors was out there wearing like an outfit that was all creepy. And the, when Heather's like, oh my God, there it is. And you don't see She's like, what anything. the fuck is that? Yeah. The anything. cameraman didn't. The uh, cameraman fucked up though. I think it was Joshua <laughs> was holding the camera. Just didn't get the shot. Yeah. And so the scary thing is just not in the movie. I mean, the only thing that's even faintly, I guess, scary is the final shot of Mike standing in the corner but that's and i'm like that's that was my I, at the end i was like okay i mean i get what you're going after and i know i'm a jaded old horror fan but and, uh, no. that was that was why i enjoyed it this time more than i did the first time is because i've been in a lot more spooky woods and a lot more abandoned buildings <laughs> since i was 12 and so there's that element of ah yes that would scare the crap out of me too and for me like honestly just hearing like the faint laughter of a child and like sticks breaking and then the tent shaking is scarier than I'm gonna say like five of the next movies we're gonna talk about. Like there's there's <laughs> in this movie like then and when I just rewatched it now where like it unnerves me more than a lot of the cheap tricks that found footage shit pulls off. Where like you see stuff and it's like jumps out at you, so you like might jump, but it's not scary. And this shit, nothing ever jumps out at you, and it's scary. Like it's scarier than that other shit, I would say. Like yeah. it's like with the exception of like maybe like two of the other movies we're gonna like wa- like talk about. Yeah, none of them were scary to me. Some were like interesting and kind of fun. Some were like really shitty to me. Like it's a range, but this one is like the least on screen, the most bang for your buck. This like, is straight up my least favorite of all the films we're talking about today. <laughs> I is find it so dull, alarming. I mean, I'm gonna take you to task on that. Film, yeah, reading about this yeah. film is absolutely fascinating and the, how they made it and all the information around it and all that. That's really, really interesting stuff. But the film itself is just, ugh. nah, <laughs> you're, you're crazy for this one, Chris. I'm sorry. I, 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 I can't help it. I, I every time, this is the fourth time I've watched this too. Cause I've watched it. I've watched it for when I saw it in the theater originally. I watched it when it first came out in Blu-ray and they sent me a copy for a review. I watched it for somebody else's podcast I was on because they would like wanted to get a perspective on like different people's things on it. And I watched it for this. And every time I'm thinking this is going to be the time I finally see why other people like this film. And every time I go. Nope. <laughs> have you watched, have you watched it in the woods yet? No, but that's the part. I grew up being like a kid who just wandered into the woods to do mm-hmm. shit. You know, like we just walked to the woods. We'd go like, I don't know where this goes. Let's keep going until we find out. The woods don't scare me. Yeah. Well, as someone who just went camping over Fourth of July weekend, <laughs> we went to a wooded area. But I tell you, the scariest thing about camping is these. We were in the spot where these fucking raccoons kept fucking with our campsite, <laughs> and I would have to wake up and chase them out. And they, I would go right up to the thing, and they would just like look at me like. Stop. And it's like still digging in the trash. Yeah, they I was like, get out of here. And the, like, yeah, raccoons are the scariest thing about camping. So it'd be scarier for you, like in, in, in the original Blair Witch, if the um, child hands were actually like raccoons. <laughs> little raccoon paws. Was, yeah. With their little opposable thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> Those little bastards. They were trying to get into one They're person's adorable. tent because they hid food in the tent. <laughs> trash pandas. And they were trying to yeah. undo the zipper. They got like the oh, zipper undone. Oh, they're super undone. smart. Yeah. 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 You so. cannot trust their tiny hands. They are real bastards. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, they're just rogues, like in D and D's. Where I look, I was like, oh, that's a rogue class it's animal. That's right. They can be very charming, but you got to keep yeah. your eye on. Charming, them. Yeah. stealthy. The funniest bite. moment is they did. As, not to keep talking about their vacuums. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Tree left a bunch of like fun sized chips, like party pack chips, out. Everyone had their food sealed. They found those chips, and it was really funny to hear them get into them because you hear them get one chip bag, shake it around, like trying to figure it out. But I was gonna hear like that. <laughs> where they would just like figure out how to open the chip bag and then they would all fight over the chips that are there so it was just like for three hours straight just a runny thing of them opening the chip bag Heather they're Donahue all fighting going, over what chips. the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it really was it was alarming sounds coming from those raccoons uh no I, I mentioned earlier that she was very upset and wanted to distance herself and that continued she literally changed her name like her real actual name. She changed it to Ra- Ray Hans. Her whole name. Wow. That yeah. Because she was tired of people like seeking her out, like going like, Hey, I want to talk to you about this. And originally people being pissed off because you know how people are. They don't, some people don't like being tricked. Don't like being fooled. And got yeah. really pissed off. So she was like thoroughly attacked Poor and baby. would have people come up to her and cuss her out and spit at her and shit. Oh, yeah. It was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Fucking people are children. People have always but been shitty and they always will be. She kind of turned, shows that the movie's a phenomenon too. She, you get he, that kind of response. Yeah. She's kind of like the third man of the new Blair Witch because the whole film is about her really, like her brother looking for her. Yeah. Uh, but like she never actually appears in the film other than footage that was previously filmed that they used. And they even didn't credit her in the film at her request. But, um, she was asked to be in it, of course, and she said, nope, nope, I'm never acting again. I'm so fucking done with this oh. shit. Oh, and uh, now she's a medical yeah. marijuana grower. Good oh. for her! <laughs> yes, get acting, it! Probably. Mm-hmm. Damn, she's gotta get, she's, she has to get back in the world. Some strains, some Blair Ritz strains. Dude. Uh, right? <laughs> Come down, get your coughing rock. Yeah, the town <laughs> of Burkittsville at first hated the, the effect because people were coming in doing graffiti they were all going out into the woods to find the house Chapter in there around. which the city council since okay we got to tear this shit down this yeah. is obnoxious people are literally getting lost in the woods <laughs> um but since when everything calmed down now it's a thing where they're like they celebrate it like they'll have festivals and everyone Aww. will have Blair Witch merch and stuff that's a money like maker sandwiches named after Blair Witch the Blair Witch sandwich yeah. um, <laughs> the, the other actor is Michael C. Williams he's still an actor and producer he's also a guidance counselor at a school where he does uh, runs acting classes there and directs senior plays Joshua Leonard did very well went on to a bunch of stuff he was in Men of Honor with like Jack Nicholson it's in Madhouse Steven Soderbergh's Unsane The Town That directed sundown oh, he was the love interest in bates motel in the third season for norma that movie and, insane is good and mm-hmm. you know who he's married to right allison pill from scott pilgrim oh cool yeah, yeah. Good for her. <laughs> i was like oh look at that wait is she what do you mean good for her <laughs> no <laughs> wait, is she... she's Anne from arrested development right I don't think so. No, she, uh, most recently she's, uh, in, uh, Star Trek Picard. If you watch that at all, you know her if you saw her. Yeah, I'm sure. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I wish I liked this. I know so many people who love it. I'm just like, I'm one of a handful of people I know who's like, uh. There is one thing I wanted to bring up that made absolutely no sense to me throughout this movie. There was a blue slime that occurred. It's KY Jelly. (laughs) <laughs> Why? Why did it get all, uh, like, for the movie's purposes or like for, was that actually what it was or was that what it was supposed to be? No, it was the, the, when they, at the, at, in the middle of the night when the directors would come in and do stuff, like set stuff up while they were asleep to fuck with them the next day, they poured KY jelly all over his shit. 
Why? So, like, he gets the blue jelly on him. There's this, oh no, there's this blue jelly. Then Josh goes missing, and there's still blue jelly and stuff. What is that supposed to be? It's a classic ectoplasm. Ectoplasm? Okay. <laughs> Supernatural shit. He gets slimed. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. He's also, just kind of like a camping prank, too. And just, you just mess with people. Yeah. yeah. Around the woods. Yeah. What you do. It's like, I'm never going camera with you. Instead, yeah, instead of, instead of like <laughs> shaving cream and then tickling the face. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Got okay. I guess so. But yeah, ectoplasm was one of my thoughts. It was just seemed weird. When I go camping, I'm like, we're all suffering enough. We don't need to like fuck with each other. All right. (laughs) I will tell you, camping over the 4th of July weekend, pretty fucking hot out there. Yeah. Why would you do that? I I don't know. Like everyone was like, I I was like, this might kind of suck. And it did sort of suck. The thing with camping, it always sucks to me for night. Daytime, (laughs) all day, there's a swimming hole. Great, you're like eating snacks and drinking, going to the swimming hole and hanging out all day. Is so much fun. With and night is still like 97. And then it's like 95 now. degrees. Yeah. It's three in the morning. A raccoon's eating chips. I was like, God damn it! And yeah. Heather go going, yeah. "What is that? What the fuck is that?" Yeah. That's why I go camping in Maryland. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, to end this one, this film says the word "fuck" a hundred and fifty-four times. What? Like That's called improv. The day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there's a script. point rewatching. I was like, yeah, I wonder how many times they do say this. And I looked it up. I was like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Maybe I mean, not the world's best actors when they fall back on fuck and fucking as much as they do. And fuck is a but, very expressive word. But yeah, yeah, if you see people get frustrated and angry, fuck is thrown out a lot. Monty so Python might be that real. many uses of the word fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to finish this episode of the first of our triptych with a look at the two films, the film and its sequel from 2007 and 2009, the Spanish film Wreck and oh, Wreck man. 2. Uh, I didn't realize that that was the next two in the... Order. Yeah, yeah. Uh, directed and uh, co-written and directed by Jaime Balaguerro, who went on to do a really great film I recommend called Sleep Tight, if you get a chance to watch that it. That movie so is good. brutal, man. Brutal, it's, but so it's good. It's not like violently brutal, but it's fucked up. And uh, like when they did Wreck 3 and 4, they split it. So the other other guy, uh, Paco Plaza, took Wreck 3 and... Uh, Balagero took Rec 4. Rec 4 is still not great, but it's a hell of a lot better than 3, which is fucking garbage. Yeah, I, I haven't seen them. I watched the trailers for both of them after watching these two. Yeah. And I was like, Rec 3 is just at a wedding? Like, yeah. what is this? No, and it's then- Rec 3 is like trying to make comedy horror, and uh, it makes no sense for this to be comedy horror. Yeah. And Rec 4 is just on a boat. Yeah, right. and it's better, but it still like doesn't capture what makes Rec and Rec 2 work, which for my mind are just one movie. I mean, it's like Wreck 2 takes place seconds right after, after the end of Wreck. So it's like, okay. Well, I'm this a, is I'm a complete story. I'm going to dispute that a little bit as we talk about this stuff. Okay. I have, I have opinions. Yeah, I remember Wreck 3 playing Fantastic Fest, and it, it was played pretty well for the crowd, but yeah, it wasn't it didn't, didn't work quite for me good. at all. Yeah. It yeah. makes sense as a festival movie if you're late enough and you're drunk enough and you just want to see some wild shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time to program it for sure. Yeah. So, uh, Manuela Velasco plays a character named Angelina Angelica, sorry, Angela. Uh, Angela Vidal. Now, in this film, who is a tele- famous television presenter, and this was kind of meta because, in fact, Manuela Velasco is actually a very popular television presenter in Spain. She has she's that vibe. super cute. Yeah, she's adorable, no question. But yeah, she's really, she's, it reminds me of a very early found footage example, the British film, uh, that was made for TV where, what was it's it like called? called the- it's like the BBC Halloween. The BBC thing where they were like, oh, here's a, a, we're going to look at a haunted house. What was it called? Night Watch or something like that? Yeah, I think it was Night Watch. Yeah, something like that. But yeah. like, where it was like, 
kind of a similar thing where they were like, oh, we'll get a well-known television personality to come in to be in this. The audiences are like, oh, yeah, this is actually what they say. It, it legitimizes is. it immediately. Right? Exactly. So for Spain, oh, we didn't know who <laughs> she was here. But for Spain, they're like, oh, yeah, we know who, who she is. Anyway, so uh, she is like hanging out with she and her cameraman Pablo. They're covering the night shift in Barcelona at the fire station for this television series she does. And the idea is interview these hot firemen, what have you, because I guess <laughs> firemen by definition are hot, unless you watch rescue me, in which case you realize they're not all hot. And they get a call about a apartment building where there's an old woman who's trapped in her apartment and screaming. So the two of them go with the firefighters to the apartment building with two of them to check it out. There's police officers waiting there already. Uh, the old woman gets very aggressive and bites uh, one of the officers biting his neck. Before you know it, we got a zombie film. Yes. Uh, uh, trapped in a very small space. And also, they find that the police have sealed off the whole fucking building very early on. Like, we literally cannot leave this building. They won't let us. They're like, we snipers will shoot you if you get too close to the windows. Doors are locked. Plastic is getting thrown over the entire building. There's a man on a bullhorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh and we, there's like a little girl that's like sick and people are like, is she sick from something else? Or is she infected on some level? There's like a whole bunch of different people in this, this building that don't really know each other very well. And some of them don't like each other. A certain amount of inherent racism towards a Asian couple, a family that lived there. Uh, and before you know it, things are getting out of control very quickly. Now you're going, okay, fine. It's a zombie film, but in a small space. And in fact, you may have seen a film that is pretty much uh, you know, this film just not as good. The American remake no, called Quarantine. Quarantine. Yeah. I mean, it's Quarantine's okay, but it's not as good because it skips pretty much the whole last 10 minutes of this film and does Actually, something else I've never entirely. Seen, I've never it's a pretty it. straight remake, though. I mean, yeah, other than that, it's a pretty straight mm-hmm. remake. But then it, like, totally, it just changes the point. In Quarantine, it's, it is just a virus. What <laughs> makes Wreck interesting is that, oh, it's not just a virus. And it's that reveal point at the very, like, yes. last 10 minutes or so where you're like, oh, shit. I love that so much because, like I said, I enjoy suspense more than I used to, but I am still very much here for the demon movies. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, this is the moment, like, it's the reason why I prefer Wreck 1 quite a bit to wreck two like more than i thought on this rewatch in my memory they were both like on pretty equal ground Mm -hmm. i love the last minute reveal and the suggestion of and not the too big of exploration and it's like it's a great last minute reveal and it's set upon this like insanely scary set piece and it hits so hard at the point i may have left the bathroom door open i think a cat's getting in there Mm -hmm. i'll I'll go get it in a second um (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) you monster (laughs) but like that's a, like Heather Donahue is going. What the fuck is that? <laughs> the uh, the the movie playing out. It's like such a simple, lean, mean fucking found footage zombie movie that is so fucking scary and so good. And then the last minute reveal is like, oh, it's a little bigger than this zombies. There's some lore behind this, it's and it's like way bigger. And it's like, oh shit, there's like some religious aspect. It's like, what is this? I don't really know. The movie's fucking over. And it's like fuck. And then the second one. Gets, it makes that mythology a little too big. It, it really is like to me like um a worse version of Aliens to Alien. Like there's like the military guys coming, the cops come in there. It's a little expansive. The the legend gets a little bigger. Goes, but it's like 
Wreck it diminish- is a lot more action horror. Yeah, it diminishes. Sure. Yeah. It diminishes the effect of the first okay. movie. For As me. a guy who thinks Aliens is way better than Alien, <laughs> I'm gonna say I think Wreck Two is way better well, than Wreck One. See, here's what I, here's what I say to that. Like growing up, Aliens way better than Alien for me. As an, as I've grown older, I think they're essentially two perfect movies, mm. like just in different genres. And it's like incredible that films can could, be more, both be perfect and one is more perfect than the other. Though. Well, I think they're yes. equally perfect and like one is, I, I, there's this a vibe you prefer, right? nonetheless. We get, we'll do an Aliens rewatch, uh, we'll do all the force, we get into it. Cause I think those are both perfect movies. And I think previously I kind of felt that way about Rack 2. It's like, damn, that was like just, and rewatching it, I think it sort of, Weakens, like, as it gets deeper into mythology. And, and there's other stuff I don't like, um, cinematically about the second one that I like way more in the first. But anyone else, uh, yeah, I'm vamping here. I think, like, as far as actual style of shooting, I preferred the first movie, but I did enjoy the going into the, this is not just a virus, it's an enzyme, it's a demonic enzyme, it's a prion, question mark, because that's how, that's, if it's not a virus, they keep saying enzyme over and over, and enzymes are proteins, and proteins are what prions are. I forgot the scientist um. <laughs> here. <laughs> but I, I thought that was really cool, the idea of there is a physiological component of possession I lo- that I we can find. I love that idea, like the chemical <laughs> reaction of possession. That's fucking cool. I, um, there's no disputing that. And yeah. as well, like... They, as that happens and you start realizing, wait, this is actually a religious horror film and not just a zombie film. They start going away from the standard tropes of the found footage film and doing, they do this really neat thing that I've since seen people copy where it's like everything doesn't look, everything you see isn't how things actually are. You have to turn off the lights yes. for to enter the reality that these things exist in. And, so you can't be seeing it to do it. And it, it's kind of, I love crafty. It's not the right word, but you know what I mean? It Hidden death. world. Uh, yeah. It was so that scared the shit out. Of that me. is the best sequence in the second movie. What kills me is there like the character of the cop. Who's just like, what the fuck is he saying? What the fuck is he saying? And grabbing him over and over again. I hate that shit. It's very yeah. frustrating. Like, it's, okay, we get it. You're pissed. You don't understand. Over and over and over again. And also, it has a lot more cheaper scares. Like, oh, this child zombie is screaming all of a sudden in the camera. And a lot more of those camera tricks were like, they're continuing, like, fake continuing the one shot, very obviously, and the digital messiness of it. Like, all that shit was just a very frustrating viewing experience. Hmm. Whereas the first one, they depended way less. There was nothing scarier in any of the movies we watched. I actually have a story about this. In the first movie, <laughs> where, like, shit's first going off. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah, like that dude falls. Yeah, a guy, uh, a, Fire, a firefighter, fireman yeah. who's yeah. gone all the way up to the top of this building. Yeah, just suddenly falls down when everyone's just talking. When and- that shit hits, it is like. It's like the starter gun, and yeah. it is like truly terrifying. It's nonstop break from that on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's the not record, a moment better in either movie. For the record, know? the actors didn't know that was going to happen. Oh, yeah. That they, was set up where like a lot of the, they were, all the actors were given like this day notes, and sometimes five minutes before their scene notes. Yeah. So no one knew if they were going to make it through the movie or if they, they would survive, what would happen to them until right before yeah. it was going to happen. Yeah, it's a similar vibe to like Blair Witch in the first wreck, especially where like the acting does feel really naturalistic. It's like really rolling. And to, to punctuate how scary that moment is, I have a friend, Eleanor. She's like not a horror person <laughs> at all. She cannot do it. And this is years ago. We were like a bunch of friends were gathering to watch wreck. 
all sat down. Movie's going. She, I could tell her she's just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. That thing happens. Ah, she just shoots up. It's like, nope. And it literally leaves. <laughs> she just like walked out the door, got in the car, and just went home. Are you serious? Yeah, she was just like, That's I, awesome. I just know. I, I just know I'm not here for this movie. And like, we like paused it. It's like, you sure? Oh, it's not that bad. And she was just like, nope. I'm, I can't. Nope. I just know. Good. And exactly just the response you want. And like, literally. Is like, your friend Heather Donahue? <laughs> <laughs> but she is like, I respect her like limitations, but she does. We watched, we watched Alien together and she was just like, I could do this. I could do like the amount of go like, but just that moment was enough for her to be like, what I talked about earlier, jumping out of the plane and pulling the parachute. She's just right. like, exit. Yeah. It's funny that Alien keeps coming up because that's that's kind of the famous moment I think of when you don't tell your cast something's about to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? like, and and it's found footage seems to be kind of built on that a little bit. They said no, no matter what happens, just don't tell anybody. Just move the camera a lot, run around, and 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 try to get some like original, genuine scares in. You want to try to eliminate acting, like the capital acting, as much as you can in the found footage. It's all about reacting. Yeah, it's yeah. all about that. And like when you could accomplish that, that's that's what I feel like. Rec One has on Rec Two, where Rec Two feels way more like. It's way, way more, more pointed. There's plot heavy. People have yeah. to say dialogue. There's a lot more stuff. And it feels a little There's more. There's like 12 characters in Rec. There's like, you know, about the same, but then three, 400 extras yeah. in, in Rec 2. Yeah. So it's and a bigger film. Bigger roles for each character in the second one, too. Yeah. yeah I but- do like in Rec 2 when it does shift to the kids, even though they're real pieces of shit and I hate <laughs> all of them. Like that moment in the film, it really works for me. Yeah, because that's a, a difference. Like the wreck is more sort of like one straight freight train going in one direction the whole way, whereas wreck two suddenly will, will shift gears and go. Oh, now here's a different camera with different people in the building. Yeah, that's with shit cool, happening. That's a cool aspect. The different perspectives and it's shifting between different cameras in the film. And re- realizing, oh, you, like there'll be <laughs> setups where you've already seen something and you know. Oh shit, don't go in there. We already knows what happens. Yeah. But then we're not really sure about the chronology. So. Right, they kind of Christopher Nolan it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I think one thing that played really well into this movie is the set itself. I really like, we talk about this fireman falling. The way that this set is set up is you have a lobby in this apartment building. There's a sliding door at the back, but then you have this massive, not a spiral staircase, but a wraparound staircase. So there's the open middle, and then there's like two apartments on every floor. And so this creates, it's this environment of being absolutely and totally freaking trapped because there isn't a, a bunch of good places to go hide. You have these tiny apartments that are built rooms along a narrow hallway and then you just have a larger narrow hallway and there is not a good way to get out you either have to go up or go out and you're gonna get caught pretty much either way (laughs) and i feel like it feeds in a lot to just the i mean it does the way the entire story works out the options our characters have to us i just i really enjoyed the set for some reason i did too it's a smartly built set and even more so is like you said we get into the last 10 minutes of the first one and then further into this where you realize oh there's a lot more going on with this building kind of like the the building that dana lives in in ghostbusters (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for the record there is a um statue on the top of this actual building in, in Barcelona yeah. that has a woman terrified with some monster hand grabbing her foot, <laughs> which is literally a scene in the movie at one point, and the directors just never saw it. It was just like they never noticed it before. It wouldn't point it out to them till after the fact. They're like, did you know that that's funny that the statue up there? Like, Shit, we never even noticed <laughs> 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 But yeah, I like with, with, with the, the rec films where 
Spain's kind of saying, okay, you're doing the found footage thing, America. We're, we're going to give it back to you in our lens and, and what, what we do with it. Uh, and so I, I, I love, uh, I love that when, when that happens, um, you know, the rest of the world can kind of say like, this is that we take, we're taking this concept and we're going to run with it and we're going to do our own thing with it. And Rec was like, you know, probably the most famous one up to that point. Uh, it's just insane. It's like, like internationally. Legit. Yeah. And the, it has to be like, Maybe the best top three or five found footage movies. I would argue this may be the like the high water mark. That moment the tide broke, where people like from America and England, what have you, went, "Hey, there's some really interesting stuff going on in horror in other countries for your average person." Yeah. Now, like some of us, would, like us old people, were like, "We've been going to Fantastic Fest for years. We already knew." <laughs> but I, the wreck was a film that really crossed boundaries where. People I know really didn't know much about horror were like, oh yeah, I saw that. That was really, really scary. Wait, wait year was it in 2007? 2007 is the nine. first one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And to speak to that, a really frustrating experience I had with this, I'm in the process of moving, which I feel like I always am lately, <laughs> but all my DVDs and Blu-rays are packed in boxes yeah. in a store somewhere, so I didn't have access to them, and I was trying to find this online, like... I could only find the English dub. Yep. Oh, I could get the English dub only for the first one, and then the second one for Rec Two. I could get the Spanish. But you had to buy. It. I had to buy. Yeah, it. I had yeah. to buy it. I had to rent it. Oh, that's a shame. Manuela <laughs> Velasco has a very sexy she voice. She does, and the, the American lady grew on me for the first one with the voiceover. At first, I was like, "This is obnoxious." Her like it doesn't match. That's throwing me off, and you just have this overbearing American accent and I cannot stand it. Had you seen this movie before? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, That's like, a bummer because there's no momentum, be, I'm sure. Like, because yeah, I've much. seen this yeah, a bunch yeah. of times, like I was like, I could deal with the American dub and it's a new experience. And it does that thing when things are dubbed where no one will just dub it in their normal voice. It's like, this guy sounds like this and this guy, oh, I am, I don't know, I'm doing this. British and then, dude. And then the other guy's like, well, well we can do that. Like everyone has such a cartoonishly distinct voice. Yes. It's like, Why? As it was Why is this the standard <laughs> for the dubs? The dubs are always the people lean in so hard to doing like a character. I don't know why it's not a thing yet with like voice actors who are really known for doing like very distinctive characters to come in and redub movies we all know. <laughs> like, wouldn't you like to see Wreck with like you know Nolan North <laughs> and H John Benjamin <laughs> and people like that coming yeah, in and get the whole places. cast of Bob's Burgers yeah, to redo. Just- <laughs> I don't, it seems like that should be a thing. Like they're just straight reading the lines, but they're doing it in the way that they do their thing, yeah. and yeah. like just a Bob's whole different Burgers experience. Would make yeah. yes. Oh my god, yes. I would watch the shit out of that. I would if I if that was the option I could watch for this round. I would have done it. I was really frustrated searching. I was like, Apple, no, YouTube, no, Amazon, no. Everything mm-hmm. is finished up. I even went to Waterloo to see if they had some used versions because I couldn't. I guess I could have gone to the storage where my boxes are and dug through all of them, but there's like 15 boxes. You would have never who, found it. Who knows? So it's like, okay, I'll just go. If they have a used DVD, I'll just buy it for like yeah. six bucks or something. They didn't have it nah, anywhere. And I was like, oh, we haven't carried it for a couple of years. <laughs> Interestingly hard to find. So like, if you're out there and you want to see Rack, like, or, you want, you should want, if you haven't you seen need it, you the need Spanish version. You, you need, need the like, Spanish, no, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's worth like ordering the DVD, ordering the Blu-ray, waiting for it to come in to watch it. Do not watch the dub. So online. for, for the record. It's still really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still a great movie regardless. It's yeah. a, yeah, so well filmed, so scary. But, uh, I just want to throw out here, the guy who plays the monster in this that appears towards, cause there's a, I know there's zombies. There yeah. is also 
wait for the monster towards the end, who's a much bigger part of the second film. He's played by an actor named Javier Botet, who has a rare condition called Marfan system Mm -hmm. syndrome, which is a genetic disorder that makes people who have it, they're very tall, they're very thin, they have very long arms, fingers. fingers and toes and what have you. So they're freaky looking people, right? So he, like, the, the makeup on here was kind of minimal, really. I, when I, when Rec, I can't remember if it was Rec or Rec 2 that, no, it was Rec 2 that played Fantastic Fest, I think. Or maybe it was Rec 3, I don't remember. I remember Rec 3, I don't remember. Maybe it was Rec 3, but he was there, and I remember I went into the highball, which is the bar connected to it at one point. This is before the new layout. It was when it was the, the old setup for it. And he was just sitting at a table by himself, just having a beer. There was no one in there, and I was like, that guy freaks me out just to look at him, but I'm going to go talk to him because those movies kick ass. <laughs> uh, when I started talking, he spoke perfect English. He was just delightful. Like, just so... F- he was really funny and charming and, like, really outgoing. And I, I was like, man, I was... I, I really, I, yeah, I immediately said, that's gotta be <laughs> seeing you here. But I wanted to talk to you and tell you how much I loved your your performance in this. It was so nice. We hung out for like an hour. And during that time, people would filter in and, and, and go like, Oh, I know Chris who's talking to him. I guess it's okay for me to go up and talk to him. So slowly it started building a table. And he was like, yeah, I think people are genuinely scared to talk to me because they don't know. They look at me and they can tell something's wrong, but they don't know how far it goes. So they realize, oh, this might be, this might be a weird conversation, a sympathy conversation. Uh, like he was just so nice, but you've seen him in other stuff. Even if you haven't seen wreck, he was in like, uh, he played the monster in mama. He was set in the mummy. He was the slender man and, that film with the same name. He's been in Crimson Peak, The Conjuring 2, It, uh, Insidious, The Last Key, yes. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. He's gotten a but lot see, that, of work. That this is like, eating out on hard, hard. My yeah. Fav- yeah. That is one of my favorite and what like chills me monster designs. I like I, I don't know a better term for it than like sinister homunculus. Yeah. But that it's it's long and it's almost human and it just touches that part of your brain that goes hmm. Maybe not. It's like an actual <laughs> physical human being that sets off the uncanny valley instead. Yes. Right? We're like, that thing we have with the animation where we're like, oh, it's so close to being real. You know, like Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian. where, But it's just distant enough that something goes, sets off red flags in our head to go like, ah, wrong, 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 yeah. run away. He's <laughs> like the human equivalent it's of trying that. to be. No, it's really cool that you got to talk to him and that he was such a cool dude. Because oh, that is my totally favorite, nice. like, yes. That's why horror festivals are the perfect place for, for some people like that sometimes. Because they can actually get a little bit more embraced, I think. Again, like as much as we talk about this, oh, we met this person, we met that person. Just go to a horror festival, dude. Like, go to Fantastic Fest. Go to Fantasia in Montreal. Almost every major city has a big genre horror fest now. I mean, it's a big thing. Go! These actors, these writers, these directors, they go there, and if there's any festival for films that the the talent is most likely to keep hanging out and just talk to people and go see other people's movies and be at the bar, it's a horror fest. That, it's, that's it's, where they do it. Theater has always been a refuge for weirdos and all sorts of people who just don't quite mesh with the rest yeah. of society the same way. And horror theater, doubly so. Doubly I mean, so. come on, man. But, come on over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Join us. <laughs> we have cookies. So, I'm Chris, also known as The Cabin in Evil Dead 2. <laughs> uh, thank you, Drew. Thank you. Thank you, Mads. 
You're very welcome. Thank you, Alan. Yes, sir. And we'll be back next week with another episode covering, oh, wait, I know you're like, yeah, 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 y'all did all the stuff I kind of expected you to do. Well, wait for next week because you have no idea <laughs> with some of the shit we have to lay on you there. It's going to be very different.